Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ and someone said now look out preacher your oneness and here we have God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ I'll not charge you anything for this but the little word and everybody said and it comes from the Greek word ka'i which means and even and also so we could read it grace be unto you and peace from God our Father even the Lord Jesus Christ he is Father and He is Son, He is Holy Ghost. And all these three are one. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel ye are all partakers of my grace for God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels or in the tender mercies of Jesus Christ and this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God I would like to read verses 9, 10, and 11. I'd like to teach today on the subject of the prayer that he prayed for the church at Philippi. Would you join with me again in reading it? And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory 
and praise of God. Could we love him again? Hallelujah. Oh, bless his name today. Thank God. Praise God. Now, if you'll help me preach, you can be seated. We read about the founding of the church at Philippi in Acts, the 16th chapter. It's a very lovely, it's a very beautiful, very exciting, very thrilling story of the founding, how this church got started. Paul and Silas had received a call from God to come over into Macedonia and help us, and they go over there, and uh, they come to Philippi in a colony, and they go down by the river, and they... Uh, to a little ladies prayer meeting and sister Lydia gets baptized in her household and then there's a little damsel that's making some men's money by her divination and fortune telling and what have you and when Paul rebukes and casts that spirit out of her they're thrust in prison beaten locked in the stocks and at midnight, Paul and Silas have a prayer meeting and they sing praises unto God. In some way, heaven's tuned in that night and it gets the ear of God and the attention of heaven. And God strikes that old Philippian jail with an earthquake and the doors fly open and men's bonds drop off. The old jailer's about to take his life thinking that the men have sprung jailbreak and Paul says, do yourself no harm, we're all here. And he comes trembling and says, what must I do to be saved? Praise God. And if you will note, there was a very close and harmonious relationship between this church and the Apostle Paul. After he departed, he mentions over in the fourth chapter that no other church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. Once and again they had sent to his necessity. And now then several years have passed by and they hear that Paul is in prison at Rome. And true to their tradition, they make up a love offering. And probably Sister Lydia gets the ladies' auxiliary together and makes some of that Pentecostal peanut brittle and some of those delicious chocolate chip cookies. And uh, uh, they do that. And maybe the jailer gets the brothers' fellowship together. And they probably buying some undergarments and some socks and shirts and uh, some clothes. And Epaphroditus is one of the young preachers there. And he says, let me take it to him. And he makes the journey of some 700 miles from Philippi to Rome. And finds Paul and brings him this love offering. And from this outshowing of love and appreciation for this great man of God, he writes back this Philippian epistle. Uh, we could say it's an epistle of the heart. It was an epistle of love. 
Uh, the folks over in Asia, he said, have turned against me. Down in Galatia, he said, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth. Down in Corinth, they were puffed up at him as though that he wouldn't even come down and see them. But the Philippians were not the helter-skelter, hit-and-miss, uh, in-and-out-off-and-on, up-and-down type of folks. Uh, they were the true blues. Praise God. They had spirituality. Uh, they had qualities. They, they, they stood by that man that had brought them the gospel. And uh, there had not been the strained relationships between Paul and this church as it had been in some other places. Now notice in verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I, I can't say that about every person I've met. There are some people I just wish that I had never heard that name how they caused me so much strife, so much trouble, so many problems. I, I would just like to forget all about them. Praise God. But every time that Paul thought about these good saints, it touched his heart when he opened that little box, uh, that little knapsack, whatever it was. He saw that love motivated it. He said it was the sacrifice, uh, odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice well-pleasing to God. It had the fragrance of love. Hallelujah. And I thank God for the church in Philippi, he had seen. And then in verse 4, he says that he makes request for them in prayer with joy. And in verse 5, he mentions the fellowship that they had had from the first day until now. They had never been any fallen outs. Uh, have any of you pastors ever pastored anybody that there was kind of a strained relationship? Uh, maybe they come to church and they kind of sit on the program or uh, they kind of sat on the sermon or uh, you knew they really wasn't with you. You, you knew they really wasn't behind you. You knew they wasn't really getting in it like they ought to get in it. They were there, but their heart was really not in it. But these folks were staunch, and, and every time that he thought about them, he could thank God for them, for the fellowship from the very beginning, the first day until now. No strained relationships. Oh, I like that. Praise God. I, I love to cultivate good relationships. Praise God. And then he, verse 6, is in, verse six and 7, he mentions his confidence. Praise God. And verse 8, that he mentions his great yearning for them. Praise God. How that he longs after them in the tender compassion and mercies of Jesus Christ. 
And then this morning, let's read the prayer again. And this I pray that your love may abound. Yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. I want to come home after a while. Praise God. That you may approve things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense. How long? Till the day of Christ. Till he comes for us. Verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. It this morning is very significant that the epistle to the Philippians, the epistle to Colossians, and the epistle to the Ephesians all contain inspired prayers. Now, to me, a prayer is a stronger thing than just admonition or exhortation or instruction or counsel. Uh, to me, prayer just presupposes a burden, a concern, an intense desire. Praise God. Uh, let me say this this morning, church. Men of God, your pastor, uh, they carry a burden for you. And they're very sensitive to the needs of the church that he pastors. Praise God. Uh, he may instruct you on things, but there may be things he senses that you may lack. There may be things that he discerns you are deficient in. Uh, he may come to know there are things that you lack, that you need. And he asked God to help you along those lines of things he discerns you need. Praise God. Uh, he may understand that you need to be staunch. You need to be strong. Uh, you need to be bold. Uh, you need some gumption. Uh, you need that something to make you hang in there. Hallelujah. I'll get to it after a while. Hallelujah. Praise God. I've taught these prayers. There are two of them in the book of Ephesians, in fact. Praise God. In fact, it's a great study to study all the prayers, those of Nehemiah and those of Daniel and all across the Word of God, where there are inspired prayers. Let me say this, if the church of the first century needed it, why would not the church of the 20th century needed it? Can I not say that this epistle is as much to us today as it was to them back there? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. The first part of this prayer, when you begin to look at it, it has four parts. Uh, it's to have an abounding love. It's being able to approve things that are excellent. It's to be sincere and without offense. And then it's to be filled, to be filled, to be filled 
with the fruits of righteousness. I have never found a lot of profit in speed reading the Bible. That ain't the way that I get it. There's a little Hebrew word you'll find in the Psalms in particular. That little word selah. How many has ever noticed that little word selah? That's a Hebrew word that means stop and think. Pause and think. Muse. Meditate. Meditation, somebody said, is chewing the cud. I remember this much about being on the farm that the old cow didn't chew her cud, she was sick. She'd eat all day and chew all night. But when she wasn't burping it up and chewing it and swallowing, putting it over in some other compartment, she wasn't in, uh, she, she was a sick cow. Praise God. I've never found anybody that had much spirituality that did not think. Every deep man is a thinking man. Praise God. Preach it, Brother Muncie. Praise God. There is no higher plane of spirituality than love. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. How can you love God whom you have not seen if you don't love your brother whom you have seen? Uh, this is love that we walk after his commandments. His commandments are not grievous. Jesus said a new commandment that I give unto you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. I courted my wife for quite a while and I had come to it was going if she didn't stop telling me uh, or tell me just a little bit more than what she was telling me I'd tell her I loved her and she said that's good and I had told God if she didn't do something that night I was going to just dissolve it and say I guess this just isn't the will of God uh, it just isn't evidently meant to be uh, she'd tell me that uh, about every time that we'd go somewhere we didn't have enough money to go far but maybe we could go down and get a green river that was a kind of a lime drink or a milkshake or something and I'd say I love you and well that's good and I talked it over with God. I was going to dissolve that relationship and, the, and break that courtship off. It's just not the will of God. It's not to be. But that night, she told me she loved me. There is no higher word in our vocabulary that you can tell somebody than that you love them. You may say, I like you, I, I'm fond of you, you're nice people, you're good people, but there's no way you can express it any more than saying, I love you. <laughs> Praise God. Did you know that before the foundation of the world, 
He chose us in him that this would be a church that would be holy and without blame before him in what? In love. Praise God. Let brotherly love continue. If you speak with the tongues of men and of angels and you don't have charity love, it's just noise. It's like a sounding of brass and the tingling of a cymbal. Yes, you got all kinds of faith that you could move mountains and work miracles and, and understand all mysteries and all revelation. Great knowledge, great insight, great concept, great depth of understanding and knowledge. Uh, but if you don't have love, you are nothing. I didn't put it in there, but it's in the book. Jesus said, because iniquity, lawlessness, rebellion, because of the widespread of lawlessness in these last days, the love of many is going to wax cold. Hear what he writes that there in Revelation chapter 2 uh, to the church at Ephesus. I know thy labor, thy patience, and all of these things. You tried them that say that are apostles and has found them liars and, and all of those beautiful things about them. But he said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Thou hast left. Thy first love. He did not say you lost it. Please notice that. He said you left it. What's the difference? There's a big difference between losing your wife and leaving her. Big difference between losing your husband and leaving him. When you say, I left the old coot, I kicked the old goat out. Me and my old man split. It means you got away from something. That first love is the love of espousal. It's the love that is marital. Uh, it's the love of courtship. When you open the door for her. And then you let her get in and then you close the door. And when you drove up, you got out and went on the other side and you opened the door and you let her get out. But maybe 10 or 12 years later and four or five youngins later, get the kids, woman, and let's go. Come on, woman, let's go. Get them youngins, let's go. Praise God. You see, it shows that we're getting away from something. 
I'd like for you to notice he tells that church at Ephesus, go back and do your first works over. What is he saying? Do what you did at the beginning. A shout like you used to shout. A run the aisles. A like you used to run the aisles. A live like you used to live. A worship like you used to worship. I ain't even got to it yet. No, sir, I ain't. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you grow in God, you're going to grow in love. When you advance in God, you're going to advance in love. When you advance in spirituality, you're going to advance in love. Philippians is where love advances. This doesn't have all the problems. Uh, it, it's not straightening out and knocking heads as he was in other epistles. Praise God. I don't think this morning any of us have more of it than what we need. In his letter to the Thessalonians, the first letter, he says, as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia, but notice, we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And in this prayer, that your love may abound. Bubble over. Abound. More than you need. An extra plushage. An extra supply. You don't know when you might just need it. I'm just about to get to it. You got your Bible there, Brother Beckton? What did he say that this love was to abound in? It is a love that is to abound in knowledge. And in all judgment. Thank you, Brother Beckton. It is a love then that bubbles up. It is a lo love that overflows. It is a love that is guided. It is a love that is instructed. It is a love that is directed in knowledge and in all judgment it is a love that discerns it is a love that deciphers it is a love that is intelligent 
It's a love that is understanding. My God, God wants you to abound in love, uh, but he wants your love directed in the right direction. Somebody said love is blind. God's Bible never said that. I don't know who, who first said it, but God's Bible didn't say it. And it's very distinctly taught here God does not want your love in him and in the church and in the things of God to be a blind misguided ignorant love he wants you to know why you love and the direction that your love should go A discerning love, intelligent love, deciphering love, understanding love. Let me give you this passage from some other translations. The Waze translation puts it like this. A love that rises higher and higher to its fullest development in the recognition of truth that your love just keeps building and building and growing and increasing until it's a developed love in the fullest recognition of truth And in a comprehensive grasp, it's simply knowing how to apply truth and knowledge to your life. It's simply being able after you have danced and shouted and run the aisles to go home and back to the job and back to the school and back to the streets of your city and live out and demonstrate what you know and what you have. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let me tell you, God don't turn you loose after you've run the aisles here and shouted around the church and you go back home. He don't turn you loose. Of just a grin, a staggered, stumble and fall and slip and slide. Amen. I know it ain't all over when we go home.
He goes on to say, thus furnishing a true test of true excellence so that we may remain untainted by error, unstumbling among obstacles where you're not slipping and sliding, falling in and out of the church, can't keep the victory, flying off the handle, can't walk the straight and narrow, can't treat the wife and the kids right. Oh, preach it, Brother Munchie. Oh, he wants your love to bubble up. He wants your love to mount up. He wants your love to increase. But he wants your love to be knowledgeable. He wants it instructed. He wants it in the right direction. He wants you to take it the right way. To help us avoid blunders, slips, misses, pitfalls, mistakes, until the day he comes. I'll tell you this morning, ignorance, God does not want us that way. One time God winked at ignorance, he overlooked it. But now he commands every man to repent. Let me give you Weymouth's translation. And it is my prayer that your love may be more and more accompanied by clear knowledge and keen perception for testing things that differ, things that differ, so that you may be men of transparent character and blameless in preparation for the day of Christ. Let me give you the amplified New Testament. This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more to the fullest extent and development in knowledge and insight, that is, that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discerning. Praise God. It's significant to note that in every one of these prayers that he prays for Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, that he is a prayer for wisdom, revelation, understanding, and knowledge. This is a profound conviction of mine. More people backslide over ignorance than any other reason. And get a whole lot of response on it. Nobody run the aisles on it, but I believe it. The more that you understand and know about this, the more you're going to love it. And the more you're going to want to stay with it. Praise God. Oh, what you've got's worth more than gold. It's more than all the world. 
My God, this is more than a hoop and a holler and a run around the church. Oh, we're doing eternal business here today. We're getting ready to get out of here. The trump's about to sound. God, when he fill you with the Holy Ghost, shed the love of God, and brought in your heart. God wants you to walk the streets of your city and demonstrate what it is to have the Holy Ghost and have the love of God shed abroad in your heart. Notice that we may have a sense of what is vital and approve and apprise the excellent and things of real value, recognizing the highest and the best. All right, then it's a discerning love that enables us to have knowledge and understanding so we have our priorities right. We have first things first, second things second. Praise God. Let me tell you this morning, church, God wants us balanced. Amen. Where you have right values. Where you understand the difference between important things and the most important things. Uh, where you understand the difference between minors and majors. If you don't have knowledge and understanding, you may major in minors and minor in majors. You may live in a kind of a backward condition where you kind of got the cart before the horse. Praise God. Oh, you got to vacuum the carpet. You got to wash the car. You got to mow the lawn. Or you got to do the laundry, but don't wait till Sunday morning to start on it. Praise God. You need to go hunting. You need a little fishing. Uh, you, you need a little recreation. You've got to get away once in a while. Uh, but sort of arrange your living in a knowledgeable, in an intelligent way uh, that you don't put pleasure above the things of God. My God, where you've got your head screwed on right. Uh, you've got your values right. Uh, you've got your priorities right. You're not out of balance. Mess around all week. Well, this is, we, we got to get all this work done. You ought to start on that back about Monday or Tuesday. I'm here to tell you, I don't wait till Sunday morning to start getting my Sunday school lesson.
there are probably some Sunday school teachers would be more qualified to teach on the Sunday morning funny papers uh, than they would be from the quarterly of what the real lesson was about. But you see, we don't operate that way. Praise God. I've got to understand. I've got to dig into the Word of God. I've got to apply myself. I've got to give myself wholly unto these things. I give attendance to reading, unto doctrine, to exhortation. I give yourself continue to them that thy profiting may appear unto all. It's where your love is directed. You got knowledge. Or you're not spinning your wheels. You're not slipping and sliding. On top of the world one day and the world on top of you the next. Or you're in one week and out the next. My God, where you got some stability. Or you got some fortitude. Or you got some backbone. Or you got some knowledge. Or you got some understanding. You learn what all, what this is sort of what, what, what this is about. It's a discerning love where we learn the difference between the lawful, between the legal, and the expedient. There's some folks overdue, some underdue, some never do. I went into a place one time, there was a little sign on the wall, some pay when due, some overdue, some never do, and how do you do? It just seems like there's some folks that never learn balance. They never learn what's proper, never learn what's fitting. Well, what's wrong with it? It may be legal. It may be lawful. It may be that you can't find book, chapter, and verse to condemn it. But it may not be expedient. Praise God. You can't find any book, chapter, and verse here that I can't wear a Buck Owens or a George Jones a cowboy suit. down my coat and down the sides of my legs honey give me book chapter and verse where that it's illegal or unlawful for me to do that but I'll tell you it's not expedient for me to praise God hallelujah amen Young man, you can take your car if you want to, paint 
put painted fire on the side of it, put 14 inch ration slicks, hike that thing up in the back end where it looks like a, a beetle going down the road. But when you drive up on some place to hold a revival, uh, they're going to look and see your vanity and your empty headedness, that you ain't got your act together, that you don't know what the score is, uh, that you don't know where you're coming from or where you're going. It demonstrates that your love is misguided. Amen. You may have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. A lot of love, but not much sense. A lot of inspiration, but not a whole lot of information. Did you ever hear anything that so like eating cotton candy, you bite into it, you better not bite too hard, you might bust a tooth. Because that stuff just comes, it just seems to kind of get away when you get it in your mouth. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sister, where that you learn what's proper and fitting in dress and attire. Hallelujah. What is godly and becoming of a saint and a mother in Israel? What's becoming of a man of God? Hallelujah. Where you have some decor and deportment and attitude and, and behavior and conduct that uh, lets folks know that you've got a love that's directed. I know when I'm preaching and I know when I'm fooling around. It's a discerning love that we understand what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. In his letter to the Ephesians, he says, Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You may shout and dance and all, that's wonderful. Please do not misunderstand me. But after all of that, you need to know how to love a husband. You need to know how to love babies. You need to know how to love a wife and how to love children. My God, you don't only need to know how to shout men, you need to know how to get a job and how to hold down a job and how to pay your debts and how to pay your bills. Or you ain't bringing reproach on the church with the bill collectors all the way after you. You need to learn how to handle a credit card. I'm going to tell you shouting around here and not paying your bills out there. You're out of balance. I was on the district board in California with Brother Price for four years. I happen to know there's some preachers that need some help along these lines. Hallelujah. 
Oh, sister, you need to know how to shout. Uh, you need to know how to run the aisles. Uh, but you need to know how to keep house. Uh, you need to know how to take care of babies. It's a love that's directed. How to fix a meal, how to manage a house, how to run a household. How to make up beds, how to vacuum floors, how to keep a clean house. I went into some, if you wasn't careful, you'd either stumble over something and fall down. My God, women, you need to know how to worship God. And you need to have be zealous and fervent in your spirit. Uh, but you've got to have some knowledge how to keep a home and how to keep a house. My God, I'm feeling my Holy Ghost. I ain't had any okra yet. I'm feeling my Holy Ghost today. in knowledge and in judgment where you know how to get along with the next door neighbor you know how to treat the neighbor's kids you know how to treat the boss on the job how to treat the other fellow on the job uh, that may not go to your church how to treat the man down at the bank you borrowed money from how to talk to the clerk at the grocery store. How to treat the waitress in the restaurant. Praise God. How to behave in a classroom. It don't end here this morning. No, no. We're going to walk out of here. And God wants us to walk out of here with victory. And with knowledge. And understanding. And insight. How to live and act when I go back out there. That I don't reproach this in here. I don't want our church to have to have the reproach of a pastor that don't pay bills. Or with saints that don't pay bills. My God, the golden rule would take care of a lot of these things. Whatsoever you would that men would do unto you, do ye even also unto them. If I was renting a man's house or he was renting mine, I'd want him to pay the rent. I wouldn't want him to let his kids tear the place up. Tear the doors off the hinges, break out the windows and knock holes in the wall, and then move out after dark. And wind up someplace else and then shout. Everything that we do in here, God wants that out there. 
ought to be in consistency with the way we live and act in here. One place he said, give me the tongue of the learned. I've heard words that were fitly spoken. I've heard some that would have been better that had never been said. See, where you have a discerning love, a knowledgeable love, an intelligent love, there's sometimes that criticism might be in order. And there's the other time it might drive them to the point of despair. You walk up to somebody that slipped and stumbled and made a mistake. I didn't think you ever had it anyway. I didn't think you was nothing but a big old hypocrite to begin with. I never did think you had the goods. Uh, that probably won't help that sister or that brother that slipped and stumbled and fell. Oh God, give us the tongue of the learned. Uh, give us knowledge and understanding. Uh, give us tenderness and compassion that some way we can say, brother, get back up and get in the fight. Uh, get back up and get in the race. Uh, get back up and go on with God. you go to visit somebody's house you know how to talk and not gossip visit without busybody if you've got the Holy Ghost and you've got some sanctified common sense uh, you can spend a week or two weeks in somebody's house and never busybody and never gossip and never get on that twiddle twaddle. But some folks don't have enough understanding and enough knowledge that they can't be in your house 15 minutes till they're running somebody down. they don't like about the pastor, the pastor's wife, the church. Don't like the way that somebody's uh, conducting the service or playing the organ or the, the piano leading the choir or something. Hallelujah. My God, why don't you let God turn over a bucket of honey in your soul and sweeten your spirit and some way take the rocks out of your crawl and the pus out of your spirit and the bitterness out of your heart and let God put love down on the inside of you that's knowledgeable, that's understanding. Where you know how to lift, where you know how to inspire, where you know how to encourage, where you know how to help. Be a blessing instead of a burden. Be a help instead of a hindrance. My God, help carry the load instead of being part of the load. Hallelujah. 
Oh, I feel it today. Praise God. Sometimes a young preacher has got up full of zeal, but not much knowledge. And may have set himself back five years because of his ignorance. You've got to learn, young preacher, what, where your limits are. See, I'm just a visiting minister in this district. feel mighty honored to be here with you. But I dare not step over into this man's position. You go into a church, you don't step over into the pastor's position, young preacher. And if you will have some sanctified common sense and some love that's discerning and intelligent, you can preach anything that you want to preach. I can live under the same roof with a brother, sister, and their family. Maybe I'm there for a week or two's meeting. Maybe they have kids. But there's some things that belong only to mama and dad. I was up in Oregon a few years ago on a special speaking engagement. And then with some of the wildest kids I ever saw in my life. This is actually the truth. I, I got over behind, they, they heated with wood up there. And I got over kind of behind the wood stove to stay out of, uh, so for a safe position, to kind of stay out of range. There were so many things being thrown while mom and daddy was back getting ready for church. If they'd have been mine, I'd have busted them. But they wasn't mine. Uh, that belongs to mom and daddy. Praise God. Uh, there's sometimes, there's just some things that belongs to the pastor. Amen. Praise God. Oh God, give us the tongue of the learned. Hallelujah. Well, why don't want anybody want me to preach? If you'll get a hold of something uh, that's intelligent and knowledgeable that will bless and help folks, somebody will want to hear you. Everybody said praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. It, it, it's where that you, you have things in balance. You got to know the difference between a fly problem and a snake problem. I was talking to one young preacher up in our area a few years ago. And, and if it's a fly, you don't have to get the claw hammer out. You don't have to get a sledgehammer. Just get the fly swatter. The newspaper, a magazine. And just swat that thing and get rid of it. He told me, Brother Muncy, he said, I drove the table leg through the floor. And probably missed the fly when he tried. <laughs> on, 
took that sledgehammer and drove back to hit that fly. Missed him, but drove the table leg through the floor. What are you getting at? Where you overact? Where you? It's a law that's intelligent, that's guided. You got balance. Baby spilt the milk. Don't beat it to death. Correct it, love it, clean the mess up, forget it. God give me two of the finest sons that he ever gave a man. I used to take them in when they needed it and I'd belt them. Never left them with rebellion. I'd quit when they'd say, Daddy, I will. Daddy, I will. Daddy, I will. When I broke that spirit and they said, I will, I quit. And then I'd take that darling and I'd start rubbing his legs and I'd help it to quit hurting. And I hope I didn't make him lie, but I'd say, now, say, Daddy, I love you for whooping me. They'd say, I love you, Daddy, for whooping me. I'd pray with them. Never leave that baby back in there, that little child. Uh, with hostility and rebellion and resentment, you will make him worse. I'd say, come on back to supper. Mama's got supper. Let's go eat. It's all over. We got the problem took care of. Hallelujah. It may be some of you need to understand what chastisement. When God's chastising you, he's dealing with you as a father deals with his son. If it was an enemy, God would exterminate him. But with a child, God does it because he loves you. I got a good rebuking. Well, maybe my boy got a good whooping, but come on back to the table. Hallelujah. I got a good rebuking on Sunday morning. Uh, get back and shout Sunday night. Come back to the table. Uh, you're part of God's family. Uh, you're part of the household. Uh, get back to the table. God didn't do that because he hated you. He did that because he loves you. It's where you have an understanding. An understanding. Hallelujah. If I come to see Brother Westberg. And I'm going to stay in his household a few days. I'm not only going to have to get along with him and treat him right. I'm going to have to treat Sister Westberg right. I